0: As you know, this is the measure of an episode. Yeah. Where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek and not just an Are You Afraid of the Dark ripoff. Um, As you may not know, this is actually our 50th episode being recorded.
1: Not the 50th episode of the measure of
0: an episode. No. Is it? No, it's not. This is our 50th episode of watching.
1: Where we've watched 50 episodes of Star Trek.
0: You know what? I thought this was going to be a lot more exciting than it actually is. It's a lot more <laughs> complicated.
1: You know, I show up to this podcast every time thinking that.
0: <laughs> every time you hang up, you're like, you know, that's supposed to be go easier. It's uh, disappointment. Be- because of the two-parters, this is now the actual 50th episode of Star Trek that we've watched for this podcast. This is not our 50th podcast. This is the 50th episode that we've watched of Star Trek for the podcast. This is not our 50th podcast. I'm just going to keep repeating that. (laughs) We like to make
1: arbitrary waypoints for ourselves with any metric possible. So this is one of those. (laughs) Yes.
0: And we are what now? Uh, Not even at 10% (laughs) of all Star Trek episodes. Yeah, we're closer than we were when we started. That's true. That is very true. All right. So we do this using three criteria. And Paul, please tell us what they are.
1: Well, Jonathan, the first one: is there science fiction integral to the plotline? The second criteria is: is this science fiction demonstrated or expressed or executed in a novel way? Is there a new take on this on this science fiction? And three, is there a question of morality demonstrated throughout the course of the episode? And this week, what did we watch, Jonathan? But there wasn't a fourth. I was like, is there a fourth criteria? No.
0: (laughs) And some fourth criteria that we haven't come up with yet. (laughs) That we haven't figured out yet. We'll just keep adding an unknown criteria. (laughs) And we do this with six criteria. And the seventh, we don't know. Right. Uh, And this week we watched The Haunting of Deck 12, which is season something of episode six. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
1: Remember that thing about me being dis- disappointed every episode?
0: Uh, this is why. This is why. All right. <laughs> and the episode we watched was The Haunting of Deck 12, which is episode 25 <laughs> of season six. Yes? Yeah, season six of Star Trek Voyager. And- Nailed the... it! <laughs> First try. <laughs> And the blurb says, Neelix becomes extremely agitated as Voyager begins a full shutdown before entering a peculiar astronomical nebula. You know what that tells me? That tells that's me that. that this is the guy who did all the DS9 yep. blurbs.
1: Yep. Because that's, that's the first scene. Right. So we got the first scene squared away for everybody. Don't even have to watch it. <sighs> uh, uh, yeah. Because he's not agitated ever again in the episode. Ever again. In fact, he seems to be, by the end
0: of the episode, the most relaxed member of the crew yeah um all right so here's a question for you about our criteria so (sighs) our 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 new criteria was presented in a a novel or unique way uh yes this one was i wouldn't necessarily have done it this way um i think that the the issue they had could have been presented outside of a flashback
1: well that's the big question about this episode is that if they had just just written this episode as though it were just a regular episode and not done this storytelling kind of format would it have been as good and i felt yes i it may have you couldn't just cut out the neelix stuff obviously and and you would have an episode but if they had just reworked it a little bit it would have been fine i felt like that the the whole format of the neelix telling the children a bedtime story type of thing mm-hmm. didn't they they didn't lean into it enough there wasn't any time. Okay, so there's a, there's a couple of points where it's kind of obvious that it's Neelix telling the story. Like he gets some sort of scientific thing wrong that Each points out. Mm-hmm. And you know later in the episode he says, you know, the, I knew this was just uh, you made up the story because whatever the because that Lusard mistake at the beginning, yeah.
0: yeah, the Nadion emissions, yeah.
1: And I felt like this story should have been littered with those where the kids either are pointing them out or trying to do some. It's it's more of a mystery, maybe. Uh, but they didn't. It's just him kind of narrating the thing, mm-hmm. the, the narrating the episode. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I felt like they it was it was too watered down of a concept for it to really be super novel. Although it's true, it is a novel way. Although I feel like it's a novel storytelling thing, especially for
0: for Voyager. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the science
1: fiction, was it novel?
0: I mean, the the science fiction part of it was has been done before, where there's a. Some kind of corporeal alien um, attaches itself to the ship. You know what? No, I I think I think it is novel because I don't I think that every other time it's happened, um, which I, I think it's happened in every series before this, they just try to get rid of it. They don't actually try to return it.
1: Yeah. And I think that what they try and establish at a certain point is that it's not evil. It's not. Right. It doesn't have bad intentions. Right. It's just sort of a, a victim of circumstance mm-hmm. or of some accident. And Janeway puts that together. I guess near the the middle of the of the episode because she's so smart. And yeah, she's very smart. <laughs> but we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. <laughs> so, but I do I do agree. I, I I mean, in terms of whether or not this meets all of the criteria, I do think that it does. Uh, I, I, I I am a yes on this being a proper Star Trek episode. I, in fact, I I think this is one of Voyager's best episodes that I've ever seen. Aside from the Neelix stuff, which I thought was half baked, I th- I loved it.
0: See, I th- I thought the Neelix stuff. You're right. I thought I thought it was half baked. Like I, I think that it could have been, um, could have been presented a little bit better. Um, uh, but I I don't think um, I didn't like how quickly Janeway figured it out because she's so smart. Um, and I I also <laughs> I also don't think. Janeway should have been the one to figure it out, but she's so smart.
1: Well, you'd think that Neelix would would present himself as being the one who figured it out, because there are a couple of different moments where he is an unre- unreliable narrator, and that's which is where the part I think they should have leaned into. Mm. Uh, there are a couple of instances which we'll get to later in, in the plot, but but I felt like why not have it be a Neelix-centric thing where he is the hero of his story? But later in the episode, when he when he puts the kids to bed and comes back to real life that we realize that it was a, it was a crew effort. It wasn't just Neelix saving the day. Like for example, there is a point in this episode where Neelix is uh, being instructed by Tuvok to go to his happy place. And he imagines his birthday party where the entire command crew is surrounding him, singing him happy birthday while the captain of the ship brings him his dinner. Like she's some sort of waiter. Now, do we really think that it happened this way? (laughs) or is this Neelix just sort of going to his happy place on the story? Right. Where everybody
0: adores him. Right. Right. (laughs)
1: But he, he recounts that as though it really happened. So why not do that? And, and have it, I guess, explained later in some way that, that that's not what happened. That's not how it goes. That's not, that's not how we solve this problem.
0: I feel like it should have been just because it was his story. We should have followed him. The entire time, rather than him saying, "Meanwhile, Janeway was in engineering trying to get you know, and like it was, it was more like I don't think he should have been a part of the story at all. Almost like I feel like it almost should have been just his his part in the story should have been him telling about t- telling them about these things that happened, like." While he was on an away mission or something.
1: Or the other way around, it being entirely first person where he's in every single scene and every single shot of the episode where he can only recount things that he saw happen. So that's sort of the half bakedness of it. It feels like it's sort of an afterthought because he's just essentially narrating what's happening on screen, even if he's not in the room.
0: Right. So I was I was going to say that, but then I realized that that would just be a whole lot of telling, not showing through the whole thing. (laughs) You know, so like so Ensign Kim comes into the like so I've been I've been sitting in the the mess hall for three (laughs) hours wondering what's going on when Ensign Kim shows up and explains to me and like we do the flashback of Ensign Kim explaining everything that happened. But I guess I mean, I guess it could be that and and Ensign Kim explained to me that and then it would do the flashback to what Ensign Kim was explaining and that way we'd get to see it. But I mean, then we're kind of doing a flashback of a flashback.
1: Well, it's just a, it's a writing thing. You can write it in such a way where it's interesting, where you're still you're still having somebody recount it in in voiceover, like that. But that's just a writing thing. You can do anything you want. You just ha- you, right. like, it can't be as you said. It can't be explaining something that we then see. So, but it would have been more interesting to have it be first person, truly first person, in that we only get little snippets of of hearing what the crew is doing. And maybe little snippets of what is actually attacking the ship and him trying to figure out what 's going on because nobody is telling him anything, and he's sort of it 's more of an adventure more so than a creepy trying to be creepy i mean the whole show is is trying to signal this sort of ghost story type or ghost bedtime story type of thing right and, and in a good way, and so why not have it be? more mysterious for Neil. If he's going to be, if we're choosing Neelix
0: to recount this, why not have it be that? Right. Well, and I feel like also with you saying that, you know, there were, there were some horror tropes in it, uh, particularly in the mess hall, but it also we shouldn't have known as an audience member early on that it was an alien. It should have been some kind of like we should have known that it came from the the nebula, which I feel like we did very early on. Um, and we shouldn't have known that it was it was an intelligent being. Like it should have been almost like there was there was a haunting on on the ship.
1: Yeah, um, it needed more setup because yeah. the whole the whole premise of the haunting of Deck Twelve. It's it's not we don't know what that means until the end when when they have a this throwaway line of I told you deck twelve is haunted yeah and what are you talking about no you didn't nobody told us that
0: (laughs) ever right not now not ever yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so it needed more setup in the sense if they were going to go with this horror thing of they needed fifteen minutes of weird stuff happening and nobody knows why but they don't do that because they needed to be a story that was recounted very quickly Mm -hmm. but but one thing I will say about the whole format. Is that it was executed really well? The, all of the photography, all of the music, yes. everything is, is seems very unvoyager to me. Where yes. a lot of the typical Voyager stuff is is kind of I don't know plain, yeah, vanilla yeah. kind of. Inter- yep. yeah. yeah, the music, the the photography, but this one was was very well done. Like you had a lot of sort of oblique shots of people where it was just sort of a profile, like when Neelix is talking to. Tuvok at the beginning uh, of his story where they're, you know, he's trying to tell him, you know, maybe you could put drapes on the wall, but it's all done in this kind of almost very uh, the shining kind of way where they're not expressly trying to show you how creepy everything is, but everything surrounding the the story is creepy. I don't know if I've told you this before, but I, I, I tend to like it when we're thrown into the middle of a narrative. As opposed to starting off cold with a narrative. Oh, have okay. Have I said this before? Yeah.
0: I don't know if I... I mean, maybe, maybe off the podcast, but I, I, <laughs> it sounds vaguely familiar. Right. But uh, so what, if, what would have happened?
1: So we have this scene with Neelix where he's turning off his... his the, where for some reason, he has to turn off all the lights in the, in the galley at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the only time we see him nervous. And nobody else is nervous. Uh, right. And that, that never comes back. But what if we started the cold open with power going out in the cargo bay and the children have to disconnect themselves, you know, mm-hmm. take out the buck plugs and, <laughs> and just say, what's what's going on? And it started there as opposed to having this thing at the beginning. I mean, it was a, it was a great sequence. I loved the sequence of the, of the cold open where they're shutting down the ship. They're, the whole sequence of them shutting the ship down is not out of fear or nervousness. Everybody's tentative about it. Right. You can tell that they all know what's going on. And this isn't they're not they're not doing this out of necessity in the sense of survival, but they're doing it for some other reason that we don't know. And it was a great way to watch a cold. That's exactly what a cold open should be. But would it have been better to start the cold open with Neelix shutting down the cargo bay? If if, if we're going to follow this format of him telling a story.
0: I kind of don't think so. Like, I I think that. The the rush around would have would have it establishes the the, the story and the conflict um, without telling us anything. You know, okay. So obviously there's something new that's happening and we don't know what it is. Whereas if it had started in the cargo bay, it would have been like we wouldn't have been jumping into the middle of it because Neelix would have been right there to explain what was happening.
1: I guess you're right. We wouldn't know it, what's happening. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's a different episode that we would need it. That for for that for the show to start with that cargo bay scene, it would need to be a different kind of episode. You're right. You're so right. By the <laughs> way, so there's a point when when the story is in – you know they they have that whole setup with Janeway talking to the to the ship, but there's a scene where they call to the bridge and she's got her coffee cup that's empty, and she just hands it to some guy. She comes
0: onto the bridge, she's like ensign here, <laughs> <And> walks away. <laughs> Did you see that? No, <laughs> I totally missed that. Uh, right is is that a is that a cup that she got? After trying several times? I don't know if it's the times. first cup okay. or, the,
1: yeah, or the second cup, but she just walks and there's just somebody walking by trying to do their job on the bridge and Janeway immediately turns him into a waiter and uh, <laughs> deputizes him as a waiter so she can get
0: rid of her coffee cup. Does she acknowledge <laughs> that or does she just hand it off to them and they take it? I think she says it ends on here. <laughs> But so what I was going to say about the flashback was uh, it I think like I don't I know this is the epi- this isn't the episode that they they were going for, but it would have been a little bit more fun. Like, I, I don't think I don't think they should have tried for the whole full on horror. Um, I, you know, and I, I didn't I didn't read anything about like the production value of like why they wanted to do this or if they just thought it would be fun to do it in this direction um, or if the director decided like, you know, let's do a few rewrites to do it this way. But I think it would have been a little bit more fun as a genuine like. Campfire tale, where they are telling the story, where Neelix is telling the story, and all of the crew are being voiced by him because he's telling the story.
1: (laughs) A lot, Ant Man, or something like that.
0: But then one of the one of the kids would say, you know, that's not what they would do, or that's not what happened. You know, here's what happened, and then it goes back, and it's now one of the kids doing the voices.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. See, yeah. that would be fun. Right. That'd be really fun because they you know, obviously the kids are smarter than Neelix. Right. Neelix knows that.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, and I think like hearing you say that, I was going to agree, but I think it's more along the lines of he's actually really smart when he's given the information, but he's not always given the information. So, you know, he's, he's left as An aloof doofus, because usually when he has the information, he's able to piece more together, or he's able to figure things out on it for himself or for others.
1: Maybe you're right. Maybe everybody hates Neelix so much they don't want to talk to him, so he doesn't have any information, so he comes off that way. Yeah. But in the episodes where he actually does contribute to the safety or progression of the ship, he does seem to know what he's talking about. Right. In terms of usually it's diplomacy with other life forms, I guess, or -hmm. other races in the in the quadrant.
0: So I think when he's given the information he he is able to figure things out you know it it's kind of it's kind of like uh well just just Janeway, man, like she <laughs> she is the smartest person in the room, like we don't have a room of the smartest people in the room. Oops, sorry about that bang.
1: Um, I guess I'm gonna know what that means uh. <laughs> yeah. <when
0: I'm> <laughs> But, you know, like, she's the one who figured this out. Like, she didn't tell Chakotay anything on those two missions that we've seen now. You know, she's like, you were supposed to play the idiot, and you did it surprisingly well. Um, (laughs) Or you did it just as well as I I expected you to, or, like, something like that. And you nailed the part. Um, You know, and same thing with Neelix. Like, he has proven time and again that when given the information, he's able to figure things out. But she's like, you're just the cook. Like, we don't need you for anything else.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, Janeway is sort of... Well, she's, she's very smart, but, and she is very unbalanced, not psychologically, although that is true, but I mean, in terms of how they represent her as a character, she doesn't seem to have any flaws by, through which the rest of the crew fills in. She constantly gives the chief engineer things to do that she didn't think of. She's constantly, uh, giving Tuvok ways of getting around a, a it's,
0: it, there's always, she's always has the right answer. Right. And She's so smart. You're right. Well, yeah. Like in this episode specifically, I don't think that she should have been the one to figure out that the alien was trying to communicate with her. It should have been
1: Neelix. Neelix. I mean, that's that's what I would have done because he's he's telling the story, right? Why not have it be Neelix? He's in the room. He's like, "Well, it sounds like he's trying to contact you, Captain." Right. And I I don't know. It, it, It felt. You're right. It should not have been her. She was. I think she was too omnipresent in this episode she's too omnipresent all the time it seems like
0: you know in next generation they have that round room discussion where everybody's presenting the information they have and then now with all the information the people who are the smartest people in the room for that thing they're like well wait a minute what if it's this you know or somebody says to jordy well could we do this and he's like oh you mean like here's an analogy so the audience knows yeah i think we could try that yeah, but he he
1: has actual purpose in the room and not just ask. He's not asking the questions to Janeway, whereas in Janeway's conferences, command conferences.
0: That's what they are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's always just sort of giving all the right answers to questions posed by the actual experts in the room.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, you're right. She's just so smart. Uh, that was the part that really like that really upset me in this episode was just like she had she had her entire crew in engineering and then the alien starts calling out to her you know and she's like wait i think it's trying to communicate and i think i think even bolana was like no it's just a glitch and she's like well yeah but what right. if you're wrong speaking of horror like there's as far as i can think there's only been one star trek episode where someone has genuinely died from the horror experience and That was the person on Next Generation who phased through the floor.
1: It would have – I mean the only way you could have made that more creepy is if they were still alive, you know? Yeah. For a second. You know, then they die. I don't think that would have made it onto the uh, Star Trek (laughs) Right,
0: right. I always wondered how they got rid of that body. They probably – beam everything out. You know what I mean? Uh, Just beam everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot better than what I thought. What? You think they had to like get a pickaxe or something? Yeah. Like just, you know (laughs) – and just you know, take off that top half that's there,
1: yeah, and then put it, put the carpet back over it. Yep, yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's... nobody. Nobody uses that. They all walk around it every time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for a while there's going to be a stain. Like <laughs> there's no stains in Star
1: Trek unless it's the first coffee Star stains Trek. on the bridge, like yes, you were talking about. Yeah, they, they, those are true. But they fixed that <laughs> right when they built a whole new ship. <laughs> exactly. We had a stain problem on the last ship. We need to fix that problem. <laughs> Time to get a new ship.
0: <laughs> that is never coming out.
1: Yeah. So going back to the science fiction. So the there actually was. I mean, this this happened a couple of times, but one that really did stick out, stick out to me is that it, at the beginning when they when they're I guess in the they're they're leaving the nebula after you know bad stuff happened. And Janeway notices that the they are passing that whatever cluster again, which is kind of a fun moment. I was like, oh, oh, a curiosity, yeah, intrigue,
0: right? Like, yeah, tell me more. mm -hmm. Thought there was might like thought there might have been a time loop or something. Yeah, yeah. I was like, where is this going? Right. And so
1: it's set up that that the navigation sensors are not working, and so uh, they stop immediately and it, they make a they make a deal a big deal out of it and they totally would in real life because they aren't navigating through by line of sight they're not navigating by through a window uh they're not navigating through the feel of the ship as much as they like to talk about how tom paris and how much he likes to talk about how he all he needs is just a, a stick and a window and he can get him anywhere mm-hmm. uh not true uh when it comes to space travel if you if you when you have my doorbell just rang when you have a ship that is spanning thousands of light years at sp- at the ridiculous speeds that they're going. They would they they would at all costs have to make sure that their their navigation instruments are working, and they may be the most important sensors on the ship in terms yeah. of a if the if the purpose of a ship is to move through space, right? Because. Uh, because you any any miscalculation by several de- even by several decimal points mm-hmm. would be would put you off in the middle of nowhere right. from where you wanted to go and i i liked i mean it, they don't obviously don't go, go into it but i really liked that they they took whatever it was 15 20 seconds and addressed that problem right. it was cool i mean yeah. it, it was a, it was a moment of oh this is a, a how things would be on a real ship if something like this existed
0: right i wonder how often the navigation system goes offline um or you know has those kind of technical issues that would have
1: to be one of the most robust sensor arrays on the ship right that, sorry
0: i mean in the series like yeah. just in in star trek in general oh, how, I see. how often is that I a see. conflict you know and like and yeah. how how do they handle it you know are are, are they like shields up red alert oh.
1: <laughs> well it happened again i mean we've talked about this before where uh something's happened we need to get out of here okay go to warp. i can't go to warp. engines are offline it's like well that's convenient every time every time like what what do we have these engines for they're always going offline at the least inopportune time most inopportune (laughs) least
0: Least? opportune most inopportune yeah there you go yeah yeah the least inopportune time is like that's great (laughs) right on schedule (laughs)
1: uh somebody just rang my doorbell hang on let me go check make sure there's nobody just waiting out there singing carols (laughs) okay this whole episode is kind of littered with those little moments where they are being, you know, peppering it with little science fiction moments. I mean, I didn't even watch this at double speed. I watched it at regular one speed. That's how much I like this episode.
0: So I I watched the first 10, 15 minutes at one and a half speed. Uh, and then I, I had to leave and come back to it. And it started at normal speed. And yeah, same thing. Like I didn't realize until the last five minutes that I had been captivated. And watching at normal speed, um, right? You know, yeah. which, uh, which I mean, you know, in Star- for Star Trek in general, like it's it's pretty good to like most episodes are are solid and you can watch them at normal speed. But I feel like Voyager in particular, they they just have a tendency to techno babble a lot and. Yeah um and just have those like have those establishing moments or moments where characters are recapping and so it to to really have it move along in a decent clip um you should be watching it at one and a half speed so so yeah i feel like i feel like this one was presented (laughs) in such a way that um that yeah at normal speed like it was it was captivating enough yeah it was engrossing
1: i have one gripe about the whole storytelling format i guess that That we haven't covered oh yeah yes i know there's more so there's just something insensitive about Neelix telling a scary ghost story about the thing that's happening to these children during the thing, like this dangerous thing. I mean, we we learned that it's not necessarily dangerous, but we're led to believe it's dangerous. And I guess Neelix is nervous. And so we must think that it's dangerous. But why is he why isn't he telling some sort of happy, fun story? Because it's sort of like if someone were telling a story about drowning children while they were on the Titanic while it was going down.
0: Right. So I I thought that initially as well. But I think in his flashback, you know, he was talking about why he was scared. You got that part right. Like he was he was scared because there was that other ship that was floating in space and there there was a gas leak right. and they had lost all their their oxygen supply was diminishing and they had to choose who was going to suffocate by drawing the shortest straw, you know. Um, right. waiting for waiting for rescue. Uh, and so that's why he was nervous. Um, and in his story, he didn't know what was happening and what was going on. Like, uh, in, in the, in, in Voyager, you know, he didn't know that there was this gas life form, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, well, see, that's the weird part to me that, that the kids didn't know this was happening because at a certain point in the, in the narrative, they evacuate the ship. And I like the <laughs> So they must've remembered this happening. No, he said this is before get... you
0: came aboard at the beginning. He did?
1: Yeah. I thought this was something that was happening. So they've been harboring this alien for months?
0: Right. Yeah, they they've been harboring them uh since like the beginning of season 6. Yeah. Um we didn't we didn't see the episode, but that's when it must have happened because that's when the kids came on board.
1: Oh, I totally missed that.
0: Yeah. So he, he said, like, this all happened before you before you came on board. Um, and then he's and then he's telling the story. So at this point, he knows about the the nebulous gas that's um, that's being held. The part that doesn't make sense, though, then is him being nervous in the mess hall, you know, because he they right. should have known that this was coming, that this was happening, like everybody did, you know, and right. maybe, I mean, yeah. maybe he just didn't want to be left alone in the mess hall because, you know, it's a big place. Yeah, but. I
1: guess it's everybody's scared of the dark, I guess. Not everybody, right. but some people are scared of the dark. You're scared of the dark. So, you know, <laughs> it would be funny, though, is that if this did take place somewhat contemporaneously with, with them being on the ship, that so they get when they're about to evacuate the entire ship, <laughs> Chakotay, and, he says... Everybody out of the ship except the first officer and the captain, and then it cuts immediately to the cargo bay of them regenerating <laughs> their <laughs> cargo hold, <laughs> and then it cuts back to them. <laughs> it just seems weird that they would have been harboring this alien who essentially could take control of the ship whenever it wanted to throughout the entire season of episodes that happened.
0: Because it was episodic, um, and you know they, they didn't want anything that would foreshadow or call back to um, things that you needed to know. Uh, Like they just they didn't do that. And it's that's that's one of the things that I've always found disappointing about episodic
1: shows that they can do stuff like this where, oh, this was happening the whole time. You just didn't know about it. Right. I I don't know. I I understand that when you write an episode like this, you have to do that. And obviously they were not written with this. The whole season six was not written with this in mind. We can't go back and comb through season six looking for these little Easter eggs of like, well, this Nebula thing is coming up. Right. You you know, it's obviously not going to be there. But that's what I like about shows like Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. where you can do that. And rest development is probably the best at this. Yeah. Where they were planning this stuff. All those little bits that come up, they, they were seated.
0: Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm.
1: the small stuff, they seated it.
0: And the other part with Neelix uh at the end, like him telling the ghost story, I think the idea was to keep the kids captivated. Cause he said, like, it's been it's been three hours. Um and so the the story he kind of drew out a little bit more and kind of knew like when they were wrapping up. So he kind of got near the end of it. So he could finish things up like kind of right around when the lights came back on. It
1: yeah. is true. He wasn't, he wasn't cock blocked by the lights coming back on. i yeah. awesome. We just don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, the Lights came back on back to bed. Right. <laughs> well, there is the thing about that where they set it up as though, okay, was he making up the story or wasn't he? And it would have been nice if if there was a question about that, if they had designed the episode in such a way where, oh, maybe he wasn't telling the entire truth or what, what was going on. Like if there was some question as as to whether or not this was just Neelix spinning a yarn.
0: Well, yeah. And I it it could have like he didn't have to say, I hope it lived happily ever after. Like that was that was the the nail in the coffin. Like that just solidified it. That for sure <laughs> yeah. it was. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, or they could have added a little bit more to, to it, you know, having Janeway say like, you hope what lived happily ever after or, you know, something like that and just leave it at that.
1: Or they just give him a weird look. Yeah. Like it or just, com- it just make comes it in on ambiguous. him where he's
0: like kind of got a, a happy smile on it, you know? And, and he's like, are, you know, it, it was, are they, is he imagining that that's how the story ends, that it got released? Or is he just satisfied that like he managed to keep them entertained the whole time because he just got accolades from Janeway who he's got a crush on? And she's so smart. Right.
1: <laughs> well, it's because she's so smart. Well, yeah.
0: Oh, that's why he's got a crush on her. Yes. Right.
1: Right. You know, I think what would have handled the whole beginning scene that that doesn't make sense as to why he's so nervous uh, at the very beginning when everything's going, when they're shutting everything down. I think it would have I would have handled it for me if he had said, "Look, we Talaxians don't like the dark. We live in the desert where there's no dark, where there's no nighttime. And yeah, so darkness is is not very fun for for us Telaxians." That would have been fine. Right. It takes five seconds to say and handles the whole, look, I sleep with the lights on. What do you want me to do? You know?
0: And did you, did you hear your favorite thing? Uh, I think it was on the bridge where they said like, it's as hot as a. Moncarian desert. We'll do the desert math. That it's hot. You don't need. It. We,
1: if you, we don't know. It doesn't have to have some stupid name before it. Who does that? I want to know. I mean, because the writers must get sick of that stuff. Who are who are the sort of the everyday writers doing this stuff? Are these hand me down notes from executives? Like, there's not enough Star Trek in this. They have to have alien names.
0: Yeah, probably. I I mean, it could also be that it was. It happened very early on, and so now the writers either do it as a running gag. Or as just kind of a, a CYA, you know, like they're they're like, well, it's got to right. be in there. So let's just put it in. They're going to they're going to tell us to put it in anyway.
1: <laughs> there was another trope that I don't know how this happened. I mean, it, it, if you go down the long road of thinking this kind of trope out, it, does, it just makes zero sense, which is so uh, Chakot is going to rescue Seven of Nine from asphyxiating because the alien has enclosed the area with with force fields that they mm-hmm. can't penetrate right mm-hmm. and she's suffocating we need to get in there i've tried to unlock it jacote has given his code and it doesn't open so he's like stand back so he blasts and he it, shoots right? the yep. he shoots the panel it's like, what i understand that working with a regular physical lock the lock is holding it in place you pulverize the lock it doesn't work anymore you can open the door but what is the point of there being security at all where if you can just shoot at the closest panel and it brings down whatever force field you're having right is, is that the the magical key it's like well it, yeah it's a back door that we programmed in we're not we're not proud of it but
0: <laughs> the the heat and wavelength of the phaser releases all electronics and puts everything we back fired
1: to the guy that made this okay <laughs> but you guys are out in the middle of nowhere we can't give you a new one
0: right uh yeah no i agree um which i uh, i'm trying to remember like it Again, like not to go back to the um the pinnacle, but like I'm trying to remember if there's ever a time where Next Generation does that. Like they blast it to 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 unlock the electronics because I would think if you were to shoot a a, pad, a, a control pad like that, um, it it would put up the the force fields like as a as a default shooting
1: back. So you just have a little shootout, <laughs> right, with, with the panel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yes, I I don't know. I mean, shouldn't everything on the ship be phaser
0: proof anyway? Well, but what's phaser-proof? Like phaser absorbent or phaser reflectant? Yeah, or whatever. How well, they choose? I feel to like phaser reflectant would be extremely dangerous.
1: Well, you shouldn't have been shooting it indoors anyway.
0: <laughs> I hope you know this is your fault that the entire crew is either dead or <laughs> amputated. Well, they have
1: doctors; they can fix that stuff. <laughs> That's true. Just ask like them Tom Paris. Tom Paris disappears. Throughout the the episode, I guess because it gets burned, yeah, badly. Yeah, he was like he ma- was the badly burned. Did. Yeah, he was effed up, dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess electricity to the face will do that, but
1: <laughs> he had so much time too. Janeway's like Paris. There's a there's an overload in your panel. Get away from that. What's that? There's an overload in your panel. <laughs> right, Step away from the thing. I, I... I sorry. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: he had so much time. <laughs> There's an overload in this panel, this panel right here, the one that I'm touching. <laughs> yeah. No, me. it doesn't feel <laughs> warm. Hang on. Let me put my face against it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't feel anything.
0: <laughs> I, but just can you. Oh, man, the amount of pain that he like his entire face has just been electrically burned. And he Isn't now has electricity? to.
1: Electricity, I guess. That's
0: it. He has he now has to climb down the ladder. To get to sick bay. Yeah, and he burned his arms and hands, too. Right. Well, and then he lays down and the doctor's like, we can't stay here. <laughs> They're like, get back up, Paris. Here we go. <laughs>
1: yeah. Poor Paris. I know. They fixed him.
0: They yeah. fixed him up good. Yeah, they did. I mean, by the next episode, he looked. At- oh, yeah. Actually, by the end of this episode. Yeah, he looks fine. Well, I he guess it's great. I guess by the next episode after this, which was like season six, episode four. Yeah. He, he looked great. All right, so what was, the, what was the moral and ethical dilemma in this episode?
1: Well, it, it, there wasn't an explicit conversation where the alien learns that life is precious and that uh, cooperation that we need. Our, our, we need other people no matter how different we are right, <laughs> to right. help each other. Mm-hmm. It was sort of that thing like we can help you, but you just have to do one thing for us and just not kill us first. Right. <laughs> and I, I, it wasn't explicit, but I felt like the alien learned that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, would, I agree. I agree so you buy that yeah right. yeah you bought that <laughs> <laughs> damn
1: no takesies backsies uh, stamp it it's done <laughs> yeah i mean it's you know it's not concrete i guess but well and it's not every episode is going to yeah. be
0: heavy-handed with the moral or ethical dilemma it just needs to be present in the episode um right you know and and i think I mean, I, th- I think if we discussed it enough, we would be able to to find it there. And I think you're right; it's something along those lines of just recognizing, yes. like the the nebula needed to, or yeah,
1: the, it needed her. Yeah, it wasn't he couldn't he or she or it could not just bend its bend these people's wills to to its whim. Right. That that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That it needed to cooperate to coexist, as it were. And I think it learned that because yeah. obviously it learned it if they it was just on board. Cohabitating with the on the ship with the other humans, it, it must have learned that. In fact, it may have had some relationships along the way.
0: Yeah, that would be kind of cool with Jordy if <laughs> if it actually did um become part of the the computer. Um, yeah, and just the computer became a little What if it? More, yeah, what if
1: it's yeah. like it's like, hey, we have a nebula for you. No, I like it here. Right, and I can help you guys.
0: That would have been neat. Yeah, like I, I like that you're exploring. You know, because it, it's been with them for the entire season, essentially um and it would have been cool if if that's how the episode ended where i mean obviously because we didn't see it you know it's very episodic like it's not going to end that way but um this is this is what i'm saying about like pike and strange new worlds like there's so many things that happen in star trek like this where it would be so cool if they didn't reset you know if they just they they had yep. these things that actually changed the ship or the crew in different ways and you know not in not in huge altering ways that, like what happens in discovery but just you know all the all the characters grow and the ship the ship changes because it got attached by a space jellyfish you know like that kind of thing <laughs>
1: yeah exactly actually did you like the episode
0: i did i did yeah like i yeah, I mean, that's I, I enjoyed it. And I would I would say like it's, it's a good episode to watch. You shouldn't skip it. Um, I think that I think that it could have been tweaked to just be that much better. Um, but I don't I don't think that there was anything you know super aside from that moment where Janeway figured everything out on her own because she's so smart. Yeah,
1: it's a good microcosm of what we were talking about earlier of how television is today versus how it was 20, 30 years ago in the sense of episodic versus serial. Where I was at the – I got to the end of this episode wanting there to have been more explo, expor, exploration as to the premise. Yeah. And I didn't get that because it's an episodic episode. Right. It had to – Episodic. Yeah.
0: yeah. Conflict had to be presented in the in the first couple minutes and had to be resolved in 45 right. minutes. Yep.
1: And Janeway had to be the hero. That has to happen at a certain
0: point. Right. Because she's so smart. All right. Well, okay. let's see what's going on. Generator, you've done it again. <laughs> What is it? TNG, the Next Generation, Star Trek: The Next Generation, season five, episode twenty-two. What was it? There you go. Okay, yeah, that's right. All right, episode twenty-two. Imaginary friend. A child who recently moved onto the Enterprise begins playing with an imaginary friend, but the new playmate begins affecting the ship's operations.
1: Maybe this is the prequel to the Voyager episode we just watched, right? But unlikely. Although this does not sound like a good episode. I may be proven wrong, which I often am. But well, I mean, cuz it just doesn't it just doesn't sound fun. Yeah, I I,
0: funny. I vaguely remember this one like the the child. It's it's a little bit um well yeah, like the child gets upset that people are either blaming her or blaming her imaginary friend and she says stuff like, you know, you you don't want to make it mad or you're making him mad or something like that. Um and i think that like it becomes a threat and they have to try and figure out how to how to stop it i don't i don't remember the specifics behind it but i just i feel like it is very much in the same vein of what we just watched
1: right <laughs> well hey we knew we've known this the whole time about the the generator right so it's not like we can keep being surprised about it
0: maybe the generator is now trying to tell us that this is what it is it's maybe. found Probably the star possible. trek to- episode